Thanks for tuning in to Mysteries of the Mind, a podcast revealing the way our unconscious minds shape our lives. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Bader. I want to start with a textbook definition of the word grievance. A grievance is a real or imagined wrong or other cause for complaint or protest, especially unfair treatment. Now, liberals and most of the mainstream media were shocked at the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Almost immediately, analyses of the Trump base began to appear, the most prominent theories usually involving matters of race and class. Missing, in my opinion, is a deeper and more empathic dive into the psychology of Trump voters, one that focuses on the psychodynamics of feelings of grievance. At its heart, the experience of grievance involves feelings of betrayal, powerlessness, envy, and rage. In order to understand what happened in 2016 and what might happen again in 2020, one has to understand what really happens when someone feels aggrieved. Liberals, of course, were quick to identify race as a crucial motivation in Trump voters, reflecting the normalization of racist uh, dog whistle animus towards Barack Obama on the one hand and the racialized fears of immigrants found in Trump's almost exclusively white base on the other. Class was also deemed a prime ingredient in the toxic stew that liberals thought were, were brewing, was brewing in Trump voters. These analyses focused on the economic struggles of the non-college-educated white working-class voter who turned out in droves for Trump. It's rightly been argued that these workers have been left behind by some combination of automation, corporate offshoring, the weakening of unions, and various forms of corporate malfeasance, resulting in stagnant wages economic insecurity, and a widening income and wealth gap. This erosion of living standards led to growing frustrations and resentments, which Trump tapped into with his campaign to drain the swamp, to curb the greed of the wealthy, yeah, he did promise that, and to launch a war against a scapegoated liberal media. Finally, the psychology of Trump voters has certainly been discussed in relation to the resentment that many of these voters felt and feel towards what they saw uh, as the patronizing elitism of the bicoastal elites, the liberal academics, and the mainstream media, a class and cultural snobbery, perhaps, captured best by Hillary Clinton's uh, description of them as a, quote, basket of deplorables. All of these factors seem valid and are likely operative in much of the Trump base. But there's another dimension of their sensibility that Trump himself mirrors, and that is a deep sense of grievance, of feeling left out and left behind, of of being misunderstood and dismissed, of being betrayed and abandoned. Now, this sentiment is actually commonplace in everyday life. I certainly see it often in my own clinical work. And I want to talk about it from that point of view. The grievance mindset in Trump and his supporters was captured um, first in some recent conversations I've had with a few of his voters. 
these sentiments were expressed in various ways. Sometimes they emerged as simple expressions of victimization, you know, some form of they treat me like dirt or they don't give a damn about me. And the they here usually refers to their employers or some arm of government. More corrosive still were feelings that Dave, a plumber and Trump supporter I spoke with, expressed to me when he said, quote, I work hard and don't get rewarded for it. I was taught that hard work and responsibility made for a good life. It hasn't felt that way. I feel ripped off. These sentiments reveal the surfacing in Dave of a sense of betrayal, which is so crucial to the psychology of grievance. The world was not keeping its part of some bargain. You see, even more bitter was Charles, uh, a guy I talked to who worked as a clerical supervisor in the back office of a law firm, who said to me, you know, I work hard and get screwed, but there are people who work and sacrifice half as much as me who get a free ride. He went on to explain that when taxes and his share of his benefits uh, were deducted from his pay, he can just about make ends meet. But that if he was on unemployment, he told me, and got Medicaid, he'd be almost as well off as he is now. Whether true or not, this envy-tinged belief was heartfelt and seemed to account for Charles' anger at immigrants, the indigent, and people of color, whom he perceived as getting away with something. See, I believe the central ingredients of the psychology of grievance are feelings of betrayal and of envy which then trigger rage and a desire for revenge. Taken together, this is a, a toxic brew. Think for a moment about the experience of betrayal, to get into this a little more deeply. <clears throat> when someone betrays you, the feelings that result are complicated. A good analogy might be the experience of marital infidelity and betrayal. The betrayed spouse feels as if his or her reality, past, present, and future, has been challenged, contradicted, and negated by the cheating spouse. The victim feels as if the world as he or she knows it is suddenly revealed to be a lie. Anyone who's been through this knows what I'm talking about. The blow to one's sense of reality is painful. It's, it's, not, it's incalculably painful. The palpable sense of rejection and abandonment vibrates in the core of one's being, and it always involves uh, an experience of helplessness. Someone has tracked mud on your carpet, and you can't undo it. You can't turn back the clock. A better analogy might be that uh, you've been shot, and even if you survive, trauma lives on. The scar is there and will always be there. You're living with the stain, with the injury, and there's nothing you can do about it. The feelings of helplessness here are infected with humiliation and shame. Betrayed people feel that there must have been something that they did to account for the betrayal. They feel one down, inferior. Something must be wrong with them. Thus, their helplessness is shot through with shame. And what's the natural human response to helplessness and humiliation? Well, it's usually depression and then anger. You get sad or you get mad or both. The sad is when you internalize the betrayal <clears throat> as your lot in life. The unconscious purpose of anger 
is to fight back against feelings of helplessness and humiliation. Trump supporters feel betrayed in just these ways. See, they feel that the system has abandoned them, that their dreams of upward mobility and success have been ruined. They look around for someone to blame, and often they blame themselves. Equally often, they blame others, government, liberals, and especially people of color, including currently immigrants. Not only do white working class people feel betrayed, they also feel envious. You see, envious of people who they think are cutting in line, the undeserving poor, the immigrant who they see being given social benefits without having to earn them, people who appear to them to be illegitimately rewarded in some way. Envy invariably makes a person angry. Envy makes one want to take away or spoil the thing that's envied. It makes one want to cut benefits, restrict immigration, and impose law and order on, quote, them. Many Trump supporters experience these elements of grievance, I believe. They feel betrayed, abandoned, and envious. They are demoralized and angry. They feel left out and left behind. They believe, falsely in my view, that others are getting something for nothing. They feel that their hard work has not been rewarded, but instead has been taken for granted or even devalued. It's important that we look closely at this experience with a spirit of empathy and with a genuine attempt to understand it. The best examples of this kind of empathic analysis and approach can be found, I believe, in Richard Sennett and Jonathan Cobb's classic book, The Hidden Injuries of Class, and in Arleigh Hochschild's more recent study of the Tea Party called Strangers in Their Own Land, Anger and Mourning on the American Right. Senate and Cobb saw white working class anger, the, the anger mobilized, and this was at the time they were writing, by Ronald Reagan with his racist dog whistles about welfare queens as stemming from an ethos of sacrifice. By that, they were referring to the ways that working class people redeem their sacrifice, you know, the hardships of their everyday life, with the belief that their children will have better lives than them, which makes their struggles seem worthwhile. But Senate and Cobb go on to point that this is a belief that's undermined or threatened by the perceptions that there are other people who enjoy the American dream without sacrifice, thus making credible the fantasy of the welfare queen who thrives without any sacrifice at all. Sociologist Arlie Hochschild spent a great deal of time speaking with white working class men and women from Louisiana who sympathized with the extremely conservative Tea Party ideology. She captured the underlying sensibility in these folks using the metaphor of a long line. She pictured them standing in a long line that stretched up and over a hill. The line is leading to the American dream, but the line isn't moving. Economic stagnation, in other words. Meanwhile, they see up ahead people of color, gays, women cutting in line, translated via affirmative action and liberal social safety net programs. They're cutting in line, you see. These folks feel abandoned and mistreated. They're filled with an underlying sense of grievance. 
When someone feels aggrieved, suffering makes uh, them feel entitled to compensation, to some type of indemnity, and ultimately to revenge. When Donald Trump held himself up as someone who would drain the swamp, someone with contempt, you know, for the bi-coastal elites, including the media, as someone who would stand up for American workers against foreign competition, and as someone who would keep white America safe from brown immigrants, he was offering a balm to aggrieved Americans. Trump's constant complaints, you know, about unfair trade deals positioned himself, but also America itself, as every bit entitled and aggrieved as his constituency. This vision of Americans as victims appealed to people who felt this same way in their everyday lives. You know, of course, there isn't one-size-fits-all explanations for the motivation of Trump voters, but I think that explanations that are primarily based on economics and race are true but incomplete, and they can do a disservice to the complicated ways that Trump voters suffer, a suffering which we should try to understand with compassion and curiosity. And in my view, the psychology of grievance does just that. Thanks for listening to Mysteries of the Mind podcast. To learn more about how your unconscious mind really works, please tune in next time. And be sure to visit Dr. Bader's website at michaelbader.com.